No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. With the Women's World Cup underway in France, we're talking Team USA which kicked off its tournament with a 13-0 thrashing of Thailand. And we welcome now a reporter on the scene, the great, the one and only, Julie Foudy. Julie, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Jeremy. Julie, I want to talk about um, the controversy at some point in our conversation. But first, before we get to that and before we get to uh, how you're enjoying yourself in France... Um, what did we learn about this U.S. women's national team from its performance in its tournament opener against Thailand? We learned they can score a lot of goals, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing, too, is uh, in their in their send-off games, like the few games before they were coming over here, they were struggling a little bit offensively. So um, part of me thinks it was in reaction to them being the last first game to kick off. They were in the last group. And they've been waiting and they've been watching and they literally had all this. <laughs> Every time I'd see them in town in our little cute town of Ron's, they, they were like, oh, my gosh, we can't, we can't wait to get going. So maybe it was a little bit of energy that they needed to get out and 13 goals worth of it. If this team doesn't end up winning the whole thing again for the second consecutive tournament, also after having reached the finals eight years ago against Japan. What is going to hold this team back, Julie? Hmm. I would say probably the one area that is still a question mark when they play tougher teams. Obviously, you don't see it against a team like Thailand, but their back line against better teams this year has been uncharacteristically leaky and a little bit vulnerable. They gave up three goals to Australia, three goals to France. They actually lost 3-1 to France in January in France. So, And that's atypical, of course, of this U.S. team. And they, have, and they also have a, a new goalkeeper in, um, with Hope Solo being gone and Alyssa Nair, who has never played a World Cup minute, although she has been on a World Cup squad. So I would say the one area of vulnerability for this team is probably the back line and Alyssa Nair. But having said that, it's all relative, right? Comparatively, um, this is a really good U.S. team. Mm. We're speaking with the great Julie Foudy, the World Cup champion herself. She's the host of the Laughter Permitted podcast for ESPN Audio, where Julie interviews many of the biggest names in sports. Uh, and it's always it's always a pleasure talking soccer with you. Uh, we, we got to cover together the Euros three years ago uh, in France, which was uh, a great tournament, a great thrill for me to, uh, to get a chance to work with you. Um, you know, four years ago, there were some breakthrough stars for the U.S. Uh, you know, the, the, the team played very well. Uh, I guess Julie Johnson was, was one of the breakthrough stars of the tournament. Who, who, who do you see emerging as a household name in women's soccer this time around from the U.S. team? Yeah. So Jeremy, when, when the U.S. lost in the Olympics in 2016 and they went out the earliest they ever have, a lot of people forget that, you know, after them winning the World Cup, they had this crash at the Olympics where they lost to Sweden in the quarterfinals. Coach Jill Ellis said, gosh, the one thing we need is we need more creative offensive types in midfield especially. And so 
the young players that are in their first World Cup, who actually did super well in that Thailand game, um, which was great for the team, are that she brought in are Rose Lavelle, who's a young kid from Cincinnati, and Lindsay Horan, who actually played for PSG here in Paris for many years when she graduated from high school rather than go to college. Um, and and then you saw Sam Mewis as well, who is someone who put in two goals uh, and is in her first World Cup. So you had five goals coming from that midfield three who were all in their first World Cup <laughs> and had a swagger to them, you know, that, that felt like they were in their fourth World Cup. I was like, look at those guys. Uh, and, and I think that's a great sign for the United States because they have some young, creative, energetic players that can break down compact defenses, which we see in the U.S. have some problems with. The reaction to um, to the drubbing and to the way the U.S. team celebrated has been mixed. Obviously, some people saying they're in the World Cup. Uh, let them celebrate. Have fun. This is as big as it gets. That's it. Others saying scoring that many goals, that's totally appropriate and expected in a tournament in which goal differential matters. Um, and others saying they went overboard. Um, what, and, and, and you're around this team every day. You know, you know these players. What were your thoughts when you saw what was happening on the field? I, I fall into the camp of score as many goals as you can. It's not a friendly, right? It's not one of those meaningless games where, you know, you get to 8 nil and you're like, yeah, okay, maybe we should start playing one and two touch and passing around. This is the World Cup goal differential matter, matters, right? So, obviously, you, you don't want to stop and then all of a sudden you look back and go, oh, but Sweden scored two more than us because they kept pouncing and we didn't. Um, so I don't mind the goal line, but the thing that I actually, when I was watching, I was like, really at 13 when Alex scores her fifth goal, we're doing a whole team celebration on the sideline and dancing. I don't, I don't get that. Right. Um, I don't get, you know, Megan Rapino, a veteran of the team sliding in at nine goals to the bench side. So, I don't mind Mallory Pugh in her first ever World Cup, you know, giving a fist pump. And there's celebration and then there's over-the-top celebration. And so that was my take on it is like, yeah, you want to keep pressing and you want to keep playing and scoring, but don't do a whole dance routine on the sideline at goal number 13. I don't think that's a good look. The team, um, you know, I saw your interview with Alex Morgan uh, the morning after where she – she defended the celebrations, thought uh, didn't seem to have any problems with it or any regrets. Um, can you characterize uh, how the rest of the team felt, you know, having some time to reflect on on what happened? You know, there's part of me that loves that they're not like, well, yeah, you know, we maybe got a little carried away. They're not apologizing at all. I loved, actually, Alex Morgan's interview. It was like, no, it's the World Cup. We're going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate Sam Mewis getting her first World Cup. I'm going to celebrate Mal Pugh. Um, so I did like that. And what you're hearing from them is, look, this is this is part of the fabric of this team. These are the habits we've created over you know decades of winning World Cups, and this is what makes us so good. And we wanted to make a statement, and we wanted to show the world that. We're not here just to defend a World Cup title. We're here to attack a World Cup title, which is a theme you hear often from them. So 
And I get that, right? And I love that about the American mentality because I do think that's what separates us from other teams. Um, but again, I think there's a point where you're like, okay, do we need to be sliding in and doing dances at 13, right? Um, and, and that's, you know, and yet they're owning it. And I think that's the right thing to do. We're speaking with uh, the great Julie Foudy about the Women's World Cup taking place now in France. And, you know, one of the things um, over the years that people in the American soccer community, if you will, have talked about is getting to a point of maturity in our appreciation as a nation for the game, which for so long belonged to the rest of the world in a way that we could be critical of our national teams. And it wasn't um, considered some kind of heresy, you know, that, you know, there was for a long time on the men's side, especially, you know, it's like boosterism was uh, the order of the day. And does this reflect a growing kind of maturity about soccer in the U.S. in some ways? Is that one way to look at it, that we're having this kind of discussion about the women's national team? Yeah, it's a great point, actually. I remember when, I think it was the 2011 or 2015 World Cup, it was probably 2015, and um, I remember talking to Abby Wambach, and uh, I said, hey, look, you know, uh, me criticizing you is my job, right? And you, you have to be able to understand this is what I'm going to do. Like, and that that means to me, that and when other people are criticizing you, that it matters. And in my day, for example, Jeremy, back in the 90s and early 2000s, we would be like, please criticize us because it means you're paying right. attention. <laughs> oh, my God, we would love for you to actually criticize us. Um, and I said, you know, we were begging for that attention. So please make the team understand that this is a great thing and not to get so bent out of shape about it and not to take it so personally. And so she'd have those conversations with the team. And I, and I totally agree. I mean, I think it's a great sign that we're having this debate. Um, and it's a great sign for the growth of women's soccer. Hopefully we're speaking with Julie Foudy about the women's world cup. Julie, before we let you go and get back to your, to your wine and your, creme caramel and your cheese course and i know you're over there with Watalka. you're probably having a would, good time so i would never do that never you would never uh, uh now i'm thinking tart tatan there's so many options um uh, chili the u.s is playing chili on sunday uh and uh what should we expect well you know interestingly enough probably thailand and chile are two of the easier teams at this world cup and and so for um, you know, we always we always pick a group of death at every World Cup, and I always say, you know, well, this is Group F for the USA is like the group of life uh, because you have two of the easiest teams in the World Cup in, in Thailand, which we saw, and now Chile, although they are more organized, but it will be a larger score again, I think. Um, I don't think 13, uh, but probably more about four or five. Uh, and... But the the real game comes down to to Sweden, their third game, because they're the ones who knocked them out of the, the Olympics in 2016, and they're a legitimate team. So if if the U.S. finishes first in their group, they then most likely will go on to face France in the quarterfinal in Paris. And as we've been talking about all World Cup, France is really one of the biggest contenders, I think, for the U.S. at this World Cup, if not the biggest. I think they're actually the favorites over the United States as hosts. Julie, it is always a pleasure. Thank you for 
letting us interrupt you at dinner hour in France. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a sacrifice. Um, Julie Foudy is the host of the Laughter Permitted podcast, and it's always a pleasure having you on the show, Julie. Uh, have fun in France, and we hope we can uh, lean on you a few more times before the tournament's over. Always, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.